Welcome to Paranormal Almanac. With your host, Kurt Sandvig. That's right, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's continue looking at haunted cemeteries and graveyards around the world. And yes, this is not going to be a full list of them. I've seen your emails, I've heard your comments to include this cemetery or that one, or how could I miss this thing or that one. Look, there are a ton of cemeteries in every state, in every country, around the world, so I'm going to miss them. I'm going to miss some. I'm telling you that right now. But like I said, with all the comments, everybody messaging me, I can easily say there's at least a third, if not a third, fourth, and fifth edition of this coming sometime in the future. Not, not right away, but sometime in the future. Expect more from this. And you guys really seem to like the first one. So if you didn't like the first one, well, maybe you like this one better. If you did like the first one, I hope you like this one. All right, but first, as always, we have shout-outs. That's right, we have shout-outs going out to Izzerbreath, Dusty, Roger, Michael, Dustin, Matthew, Alicia, Derek, Becca, Joshua, Jen, Elizabeth, Voidtech, Steve, Sherry, Art Muffin, Trudy, Tim, Kenneth, Paul, Ricardo, Damien and Daniel, that's it, Ian, Eric, Brandon, Jen, Alexandra, Simon, George, Connie, Seth, Jason, Hayden, Cindy, Kim, Ashley, what's that, Loki, Ian, Carrie, Ezram, Robin, Will, Jim, Kelly, Lauren and Phil Mangano, Russell, Tanya, Donald, Chris, Brandon, April, Seth, Isabel, Audra, Dorian. How you doing, Dorian? I haven't seen you in a little bit. Cindy, Bob, the Sean Bishop, Cole, Paula, Jerry, Leo, Austin, Lindsay, Hahn, Megan, Aaron, Amy, Jeff T, Harley, Suzanne, Joe, Lawrence, Lauren McCune. Hey, howdy, hi. Lily, Nick, Autumn, J. Mark, Manning, Carolyn, Martin, Darth Pikachu, Jade, Nanashi, Megan, Heidi, Kira, Pablo, Chuck, Laura Rutho, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson, Juliana, Dan, Dill, Laura Pitts, and GamerFan. As always, a special shout-out to Joe. Joe Teague. All righty. Prepare yourselves. This is going to be a very supersized paranormal news. I'm like, I'm going to do the episode tonight, and then three more stories. Well, I'll do the episode tomorrow because I didn't get a chance to do it tonight. Three more stories. I'm going to do uh, three more stories. It's just a full paranormal news, a crazy huge edition of paranormal news. So if you're not a fan of paranormal news, go, go ahead, make yourself a drink. In fact, go to a bar, get a drink, keep it playing, go to a bar, get a drink, drink your drink, and you'll still be back in time for the episode. But it's a good one. And there's a lot of information in this paranormal news. So let's get right on into it. Alrighty, first up in paranormal news, released footage of spherical UFO filmed in 2019 around the USS Omaha. And in case you guys haven't figured it out, if I started with the UFO story, that means there's going to be a lot of UFO stories coming at you in paranormal news. So a spherical UFO was filmed in San Diego around the USS Omaha in 2019, 
And uh, they said the footage was filmed in the CIC, which is the Combat Information Center of the USS Omaha on July 15, 2019, in a warning area off San Diego. This footage depicts a UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, event series that reached a crescendo with one of the unknown targets entering the water. There was no wreckage found. None of the unknown craft were recovered. And it's, again, it's very interesting UFO video. It's a small dot, just like all the rest of them, but... This one does, it just goes straight. It's going across, going across over the water, and then boom, straight into the water, boom, gone. No crash, no splash, no nothing. Something was up with it, though. All righty, I'm going to keep on keeping on. I'm going to keep on moving on. There was more to that story, but you got the essentials of it. Next up in paranormal news, UFOs are very real, 60 Minutes reports. They're still unidentified, and they aren't American. I'm not going to read this whole piece because I've talked about this story already in the past, and there's... 15 different ones, but there's a bunch of new declassified footage. They say it's a, it's bizarre and unfortunate that someone like myself has something to do, has to do something like this to get national security issues on it. And that what they mean by that is they keep trying to leak this stuff, tr keep trying to do the Freedom of Information Act, hoping, hoping that it'll, it'll eventually push the American government into releasing information more information about UFOs. It's coming in June anyway, but they're trying to really push for all the classified information because in June, it's just the declassified information. It's going to be a lot more and it's going to be phenomenal, but still, there's going to be a lot of it. And in the stupid edition of Paranormal News, the QAnon crowd convinces or are convinced that UFOs are just a diversion from voter fraud. That's all, I'm, that's all the time I'm putting into that story. I'm going to move right on into the next story which is U.S. intel reports on UFO. They're headed to Congress, but how much of it is going to be classified? They're afraid that since the Congress has pushed back a little bit on the date, more and more of this information is classified, and what we're going to finally get isn't going to be even one-tenth of what we thought we were going to be getting from this Freedom of Information Act and this uh, report. But again, there's going to be a lot of information coming very soon. Up next in paranormal news, I'm cruising through it for you guys. Leaked Navy video appears to show a UFO off of California. It's very similar to the same story. This one's July 2019. Again, USS Omaha. Again, splashed into the, to the water, but with different video. And this time, the Defense Department confirmed the clip was recorded by Navy personnel and said this one will be reviewed by the Pentagon's Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force. They don't know what it is. They don't know where it's coming from, but it is light years ahead of the technology that we have and even the secret technology that we have. Now, sometimes we're seeing a 50-foot object that can travel at hypersonic, hypersonic speeds and seemingly go into orbit or come down from altitudes of potentially above 100,000 feet to sea level within seconds. One of the pilots actually said, Lieutenant Commander Alex Dietrich said, over beers, we said, hey, man, if I saw this solo, I don't know what I, I don't think I would have come back and said anything because it sounds so crazy when I said it, which just shows there is still stigma today about this. All righty, let's continue on. I, like I said, I got tons more. So the next one in paranormal news, shocker, it's also about UFOs, slightly different. This one, keeping politics out of it, this one. Former President Barack Obama reveals that the alien question he first asked when he became president. That's right. He said, when it comes to aliens, there's some things I just can't tell you on air. That's important. 
But he says, when I came into office, I asked, is there a lab somewhere that we're keeping alien specimens in spaceships? They did a little bit of research, and the answer is no. But what is true and what I'm actually being serious here is, is there are, there's footage and records of objects in the sky that we don't know exactly what they are. We can't explain how they move. We can't explain their trajectory. They don't have any easily explainable pattern. Now, Obama said there were people that were working on figuring out what caused that, but noted he had, quote, nothing to report. So there you go. Here's a former president who looked into it. All of the presidents basically have looked into it. Trump looked into it as well. And it, it seems that the president does not have the security levels to find out the information about UFOs. All righty, up next, paranormal news. Another one on you. They're not all about UFOs. I'm going to tell you right now, but there's a lot of them. So U.S. intelligence agencies are expected to deliver the report, blah, blah, blah. But last year, a bunch more videos were captured by the Navy that have not yet been released. So we know there's way more videos coming. Where they are, why they haven't been declassified, when these have been declassified, no one seems to be able to explain. They say they show basically the same stuff. One video does show a, a Tic Tac UFO the size of a 737, again, going up from basically orbit level to underwater or starting it underwater and going up into orbit within seconds. 737, the size of a 737. So these Tic Tac videos that you see in these videos, they're not some tiny little drone-sized ship because that's what a lot of people think they are, are drones. They're not that tiny. They're 737 sized. Now, the three videos that were leaked, they said one of those videos was about that size. The other two were a bit smaller, about 50 feet in diameter. But again, that just shows goes to show you how the different sizes of these unidentified aerial phenomena really are. These Tic Tacs really are. All righty, up next in paranormal news. Okay, top former U.S. official on explosive UFO report. The U.S. is in possession of exotic materials from UFOs. Now, this has been talked about before in the past, but I like it because it's actually confirming previous reports that the U.S. government does have in their possession exotic materials, not of this earth, from UFOs. They say, look, you can say what you want. You can take away the source. You can take away who it is. You can pretend it's Russian. You can pretend it's Chinese, but it's not. They said it's not a good scenario. Someone with some sort of technology that we don't have is incurring into controlled U.S. airspace on a regular and routine basis, and we are not doing enough, we being the military, not you and I, are not doing enough to figure out what these things are. They say, is there debris you believe from these vehicles? And they say, yes, the United States government is in possession of exotic materials. I'll leave it at that. More, more analysis needs to be done. There's enough uniqueness about it where it demands additional analysis, additional expertise. And thankfully, there are pockets in the U.S. government that are willing to have the conversation and, con and conduct the analysis. Has it happened yet? That's classified. Of course it is. All righty, up next in paranormal news. This one is not about UFOs. Lake Pepin monster fires up people's imaginations and local economy. Now that the ice has melted off of Lake Pepin, Pepin, Larry Nielsen, Larry Nielsen wants to remind people that there's something lurking in the blue-green waters, and he's willing to pay you to prove that it exists. 
Now, this is located on the Mississippi River. Lo uh, Lake Pepin or Pepin is bordered by Wisconsin on one side and Minnesota on the other. In the town of Lake City, Minnesota, on, on the shores, there's tales of a monster in the lake that have been floating around since the 1870s. Now, supposedly, it's a large serpent-like creature. The monster, or Pepe, as locals call it, I hope it's Pepe and not Peepee, uh, has been seen by everyone from the Dakota Indians to local vacationers. But now, the owner of the 125-passenger paddlewheel boat Pearl of the Lake and president of the Lake City Tourism Bureau is reminding people that there's a $50,000 reward for anyone who can prove that it exists. He says he didn't know what the water serpent existed until he saw the creature a few years back. He says, one night, my wife and I were out on Lake, I'm just going to say on the lake, and there were no other boats out there with us. All of a sudden, I saw a big wake out there against the current. It was about 100 feet long and a foot and a half high. So I started doing some research, and that's when I heard about the lake monster. According to a local cryptozoologist, researcher, and author of a book, uh, Pepe, The Lake Monster of the Mississippi River, Reports of him stretch back to the Dakota Indians. When the Dakota lived in the Minnesota area, they decided to trade in their birch bark canoes for thicker dugout canoes while traveling the lake in order to protect themselves from the creatures living in the lake that punctured their thinner birch canoes. That's actually really cool. Now, they say that the stories of the lake monster did kind of die off in the 30s and 40s up until the beginning of 2000, but now reports are starting in again. So, there you go. Another not-monster living in a lake. Now, some people believe that this uh, Pepe could be a sturgeon or a long prehistoric-looking fish that can live for as long as 100 years and weigh up to 200 pounds. Oh, a sturgeon is a long prehistoric fish. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. But others believe it's a sea, ser sea serpent or a monster trapped inland. This guy goes on to say that we've had about seven or eight formal expeditions a year to try and find it. I get a ton of calls from about now through the summer from people who say they see it. But now he says, you got the reward. Let's prove it. When I first brought this up, one lady was concerned that talking about it publicly would scare all the local kids and no one would want to go into the water. But then I went down to the lake and there were kids yelling into the water for him to come out and play. Collecting the reward does take a bit of doing, though. So you got to pay attention to this part. Whoever wins it would have to produce a good photograph and a piece of the creature's fin or skin for positive DNA testing. Once researchers at the University of Minnesota Biology Department confirmed the DNA came from an unknown species in the lake and the photo can be authenticated, he said he'll gladly hand over the 50 grand. He says that several people have sent him pictures of the monster. One fisherman even brought in a sonar image of something 16 to 17 feet long under this boat but no one's been able to grab a bit of fin or skin. He says, I know there's more things in this universe than we know about. When we find out something about something, when we find out something and we think we know all at all, we find out we don't know it all. Oh, I get what he's saying. It's been seven years since the reward for Pepe was first issued. I can never imagine that such a novel idea would all but resurrect an almost forgotten legend. That's kind of cool. I like that one. All righty, let's continue on. Let's burn through these here real quick. Oh, this one actually, this next one in um, Paranormal News, I actually talked about on the on the uh, Facebook page. It's not necessarily paranormal, but it's a story that I talked about on a previous episode, so go ahead and find it. But the body of Australia's mysterious Summerton man is being exhumed for new forensic an uh, analysis. A decades-old mystery in Australia may soon be solved as officials in the country have exhumed the body of, quote, the Summerton man in the hopes of identifying him once and for all. 
Real, real quick backstory on it. It's um, began back in 1948 when the body of a man was discovered on Somerton Beach in the city of Adelaide. The individual, clad in a suit and tie, immediately posed something of a puzzle to investigators at the time as he bore no identification and possessed a small suitcase full of clothing that had their labels removed. Additionally, sewn into the one of the man's pockets was a scrap of paper with the Farsi word taman shud, meaning it's finished. An exhaustive attempt to identify the man and determine how he died proved to be futile at the time, but they're hoping that now he's exhumed, they're going to figure out, A, who he is and how he died. And they said that when they pulled him out, sure, you know, he decayed. He's been there since the 40s. But they said they think they have viable DNA or at least enough body for viable DNA and hope to finally solve the mystery of the Somerton man. All righty, up next in paranormal news, PAC launched to press feds to release more info on the UFOs. Now, unless there's something really different about this one, I'm going to just burn through it real quick. Um, oh, it says the founders say the group will educate voters about UFOs, transparency, support candidates who advocate for the release of more information related to UFOs. And they said it's a kind of like a grassroots movement that will raise money from donors online to try and finally get to the bottom of what UFOs are. That's why I added that one. All righty, up next in paranormal, we're almost done. I swear to you. Up next in paranormal news, Bigfoot. Woman reports Sasquatch encounter outside gym in Ashland, Ohio. That's right. A 20-year-old woman walked out of the warehouse 24-hour gym around midnight. Her workout was complete. She turned to the right and headed to her car in a well-lit parking lot. There were no other vehicles in the lot on that side of the building, but she reportedly she was reportedly not alone because she said it was April 24th, just after midnight. She heard a twig snap. She looked and saw a creature seven or eight feet tall, covered in gray fur, racing back into the woods about 30 yards away. It was far too large, several, likely several hundred pounds, and moved too quickly to be a man. Shaken, she freaked out. She called her parents from a nearby restaurant, asking them to come and drive her home. But apparently, it's not uncommon in this area of Ohio to find a Sasquatch. Uh, let's see... They sp- the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization spoke to the woman. Uh, there's plans to visit her, just gain more information, figure out where she was, what she saw, go and see if there's any uh, residual evidence left, which by now there will not be. But still, kind of cool. Alrighty. Kind of maybe possibly a debunk in paranormal news. There was a big story about a pyramid-shaped UFO that made the rounds. I talked about it on here. I saw the video, had no idea what the video is. But there's a night vision expert that says that pyramid-shaped UFO was probably just Boca. What's Boca, you might ask? I don't know. It says, new reference footage from night vision monoculars demonstrates pretty conclusively that the supposed flying object pyramid UFO actually looks like a slightly out-of-focus light in the sky, quite possibly just a plane, as the ship was right right under a flight path for LAX. But he says it's just bokeh. It is just something that is out of focus that causes this kind of light distortion or pyramid. And he says he thinks that's what it is. Now, he recreated the footage, and I didn't watch the recreation of the footage. This UFO video does not. I, I did not watch the recreated footage until just now. So let me watch it real quick for you. All right, so he's there's a plane above him. Oh, if it's out of focus. Wow, it really does look like a pyramid. Which is bizarre. You wouldn't think that you think it would look like a little blob or an orb, but apparently the night vision 
flex it off into pyramid shape. I got to say, that is pretty damn close. I'm almost willing to say that is debunked, but the problem is that thing was so low. These planes are way up high. So I don't know if it's an actual debunk, but it is a definite good possible explanation for what those pyramid UFOs are. Let's just say possible debunk for right now. But more importantly, I'll keep an eye on this story to see if other people can make it look exactly the same by doing the same process. And if that's the case, then there we go. All righty, two more stories. The next one I'm going to burn through real quick. Pentagon is saying the evidence is growing more and more each day, every day, with more UFOs. That's right. It is now a daily thing for a classified video to reach the Pentagon about UAPs. Daily. That's scary. And that's all we need to know on that one. So I'm going to move on to the next one because we're getting late into this episode and I want to keep on keeping on. Finally, Harry Reid saw classified things at Area 51 that, quote, fascinated him. Former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid said, yeah, he went to Area 51. He says, I believe that an unofficial taboo regarding the frank discussion of encounters could harm our national security and stymie opportunities for technical advancement. That's why he did what he did and tried to get the um, ATEP working. But he says, um, as a Democratic senator from Nevada, I visited Area 51, the top-secret Air Force testing site in southern Nevada, long associated with UFO-related conspiracy theories. What I saw fascinated me, though much of it must remain classified. He says there's still a great deal we don't understand. That facility housed the Air Force's secret new stealth fighters, but he said, what I saw, I cannot explain and I cannot tell you about because it must remain classified. He says, they fascinated me. What I saw, he said, what I saw fascinated me. That's all I can say about it. Well, that's all I can say about it too. All right, see, I told you it was a big one. It's a big paranormal news. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with Haunted Cemeteries 2, Electric Boogaloo. It's time now for a short break. We are back. That's right. I told you it was going to be a big one. I told you we are going to do another episode. And I told you it was going to be a long one. So long, in fact, that I don't think I'm going to... Actually, I know I'm not. I'm not even going to... Look, I'm going to spoil it right now. Spoilers. There's going to be a part three, a part four, because I am not going to finish this episode. I'm not going to finish up all the content I have for this episode. But let's get right into it. Let's start down under in Sydney, Australia at the Rookwood Cemetery. And this cemetery is huge. Now, a ton of sites say it was built on indigenous people's land, but honestly, everything was built over indigenous people's land. America, I'm looking at you here. So that's a dumb statement. Of course it was. But they're saying that that is the reason that a lot of these hauntings are happening because of indigenous people that are angry or the indigenous people cursed the land when it was taken from them. I'm not going to get any of that. I'm just going to tell you what's seen here. So this huge cemetery has all the basic hauntings, but it's also said to be haunted by two men in particular, the Davenport brothers. Now, these guys were famous spiritualists, and they said they could communicate with the dead. Now, depending on what you believe, they are not doing that, but in reverse kind of, 
So basically, look, they're dead now. They were buried in that cemetery. They used to be spiritualists back in the 18th century when spiritualists were, or 19th century, sorry, when spiritualism was really taking off. There was a lot of people that claimed to be able to communicate with the dead. Nine times out of 10, they were you know, kind of found out as frauds. Harry Houdini went around catching them, doing you know particular magician tricks to try and make it sound like they're talking with the dead or just doing stupid tricks like jumping in the middle of the air in pitch black and then saying, take a picture now, and then they're floating. Of course they are. They're jumping in the air. But these two guys, for, uh, famous spiritualists, died, buried in the cemetery, and now people are saying that they are coming back from the dead and talking to the living like I said earlier, Houdini heard about these guys, went to Rookwood, and he tried to make contact with them from beyond, but with no luck. So, big grain of salt time. Not only are the Davenport brothers said to communicate with the living themselves, but they're bringing other dead people with them to communicate with the living. Unfortunately, though, I couldn't find out if this means, like, <clears throat> I go to Rookwood and I'm able to successfully communicate with the Davenport brothers, and I say, hey, can I talk to my grandma? And then all of a sudden my grandma starts talking to me. Or is it that they just pick some random other dead person and comes with them? And if so, who cares? I'm Look, I'm not going to be more impressed because I'm talking to two dead guys already. The fact that these two dead guys brought a third dead guy that I don't know isn't going to impress me. Not like if they're going like, hey, you think it's cool talking to us? Here's... um. Hey, here's Dave from Germany. And then Dave from Germany ghost comes up and starts talking to me. I'm already speaking to the dead. I don't need the Davenport brothers to bring anybody else with them unless it's somebody I know or somebody famous. That'd be cool. Like, hey, look, it's John Lennon. But still, apparently, and again, grain of salt, but apparently if you go there and you do EVP sessions or you do Ouija board sessions or you do spirit board sessions, you have the ability to not only talk with the Davenport brothers, famous spiritualists, but possibly other dead people as well. Okay, since the other stuff is like, you know, felt and seen, the basics, you know, oh, we hear stuff, we hear voices, we see stuff, we see shadows, we uh, something touches me. Yeah, as you know, when I get to the basics of hauntings, we move on to the next one on the list. And the next one on the list uh, this one I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go real quick with because I, again I did this one in depth already on a previous episode, just like the Summerton Man. So look, find that episode. It's out there. It's way more in depth. But this one, I wanted to bring it up because a couple people said I can't believe you didn't talk about this cemetery on this episode. Well, now I am. This one is a cemetery in Kansas called the Stull Cemetery, and it's supposedly one of the seven gateways to hell. Holy crap, that sounds awesome, right? Yep, now go find the episode to know more. You know, I can't do everything for you. All righty, let's move on to Bachelor's Grove Cemetery in Cook County, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. Now, this one was built in 1840 and was used until about 1950, so a little over 100 years. This cemetery was used until, basically, it was slowly, you know, ignored, wasn't upkept very well, Roads to it kind of got overgrown. And then it was slowly ransacked and messed with by teens for decades. They would, uh, it was a normal thing for a couple of decades, really, for police to find kids like making out there or tearing out of there after partying in the cemetery. And they'd actually find one of the headstones in the kids' cars, which is messed up as all shit. But they said, all right, so it's off the beaten path. 
It's kind of spooky. It's hard to get to. Kids used it for partying. When that happens, urban legend type shit happens. There's a cemetery you can't really get to, but if you follow this road and travel on a dirt path, you're going to come across an old cemetery that's overgrown. Yeah, all of that is true because of dick kids like you. But every time there's an urban legend, there does seem to be a kernel of truth. And this one seems to have that as well. There's something paranormal to it. Besides the basics, the voices, the shadows, the touching, the orbs, there's actually quite a few stories about a lady in white there and a ghost black dog there. Now, this lady in white isn't the typical lady in white trying to, you know, find a spurned lover or revenge or killing single dudes or married dudes or anything like that. She just seemed to be a lady in white wandering through the cemetery and around the cemetery area. And also, like I said, a ghost black dog. So if you go there, my recommendation is make friends with the dog and don't follow the lady in white anywhere just to be on the safe side. All righty, let's move closer to my home, to El Campo Santo Cemetery in San Diego, California. Now, this is a bizarre cemetery. It's close to the Whaley House, which is one of San Diego's most haunted locations. Again, I'm telling you a lot on this episode. you got to listen to all the episodes because I mentioned the Whaley, the Whaley House before as well. That's one of the locations that I do want to go to when the pandemic is completely over. It's completely easy to go to. I don't have to worry about anything. It's all open again. Not only would I like to go to the Whaley House, I'd actually do an episode from the Whaley House. I'd actually do one. A full episode from the Whaley House is high up on my list. It's not far from me. It's like three and a half hours from me, so it's doable. But to find out more about the Whaley House, listen to previous episodes, because I'm talking about El Campo Santo Cemetery. And here's the bizarre thing about this cemetery. Some of the graves were actually lost because they were paved over to make a street. That's right. The bodies are still in the ground just underneath a street now. And apparently since that happened initially when it was widened a little bit, it was for like electric cars or street cars or trolley cars, shit like that. Then it was widened even more for car cars because they seem to have forgotten the fact that they just paved over graves, bodies. Now, since that happened almost 100 years ago, there have been all kinds of ghost sightings, strange power outages, lights, appliances going off or turning off, going haywire for no reason, not only in the cemetery, nearby as well. And I'm sure you skeptics are going to say, well, yeah, it's probably bad wiring or transformers or something like that if it's all in the same local block or local area. Well, all of it has been replaced numerous times and it still happens to this day with no explanation from the electric company. So I'm going to say, hey, skeptics, I'll go with the experts on that one. They know how to make power work, and it's still being weird. They say that the power outages don't just do things that are plugged in. They don't just power outage on things that are plugged in, like a toaster oven or whatever. No. Cars in the area have often been said to have weird power outages as well. Again, with no explanations. Now, one of the ghosts seen here is Yankee Jim Robinson, who sadly was hanged on the property of the Whaling House, uh, you know, obviously, 100 years ago. And it seems like he's buried at the cemetery, maybe. I say that because I can't definitively say that he is buried there. Some sites say he is. Some sites say he's not. A lot of sites just don't know and regurgitate from one or the other. So... 
he is maybe buried at this cemetery, or was it just because he was hanged on the property of the Wailing House, which again is very close by this cemetery, and that's why he's seen? I don't know. But people have seen ghosts dressed in 18th century apparel and recorded crazy cool cold spots. And I'm talking about these kind of spots where the temperature around them will be in the 70s or 80s or higher, but the cold spot will be in the low 60s. 20, 30, 40 degree differences. Now, from what I found online, though, this cemetery has been, you know, kind of restored besides the fact that, uh, you know, it's still paved over other graves. But the cemetery itself has been restored and is completely worth checking out from what I can find online. All righty, keeping with California, let's go into one of my favorite cemeteries. And I know it's weird to say that I have a favorite cemetery, but boy, howdy, do I. This place, I love Old Hollywood, if you don't know. This place is Old Hollywood. I absolutely love it. You can go see movies projected on the crypt walls while you picnic on graves at this cemetery. I know it sounds creepy, but trust me, it's an incredibly, incredibly cool experience and fun time as well. But everybody who's anybody is buried here. I'm talking about the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. If you don't know the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, it's right across the street, basically, from Paramount's... Uh, studios. I mean, it is Hollywood. It's right there in old Hollywood. It's not like, um, uh, like forest lawn, like, Oh yeah. Forest lawns in Hollywood. No, it's not really. One of them's in Burbank and the other one is in Glendale. This one isn't Hollywood forever. Cemetery is in Hollywood. And like I said, you know, name a star from the forties, fifties, sixties, even to today, there's a good chance they're buried here. I mean, it's not just 40s actors. I mean, it's everybody. I think there's a Lassie there or a Rin Tin Tin or a Toto. I think it might be Toto, actually. I don't know. There's a, there's a couple of famous dogs buried there. Anybody who's anybody, including, like, the Ramones, or one of the Ramones are even buried here. Like, it is a very, very cool uh, cemetery to just walk through. Mel Blanc, if you don't know who he is, you suck. He's the voice of, like, Bugs Bunny and... Daffy Duck and Elmer Fudd. I mean, just incredible. His his gravestone's right there, right on the road to pull in, basically. But besides that, there's also a lot of ghosts that are seen here as well. Now, supposedly, Clifton Webb's ghost is seen here all the time. Virginia Rapp's ghost is here. Now, if you don't know who Virginia Rapp is, there's a guy named Fatty Arbuckle. You should look him up, but when you look him up, do it with a grain of salt because it's pretty much been debunked that he did not rape this girl. Um, I'm not getting into it. You can find out for yourself. You can make your own conclusions. But Fatty Arbuckle was completely blacklisted. You know, talk about, like, the cancel culture. He was the first of the first of the cancel culture. But anyhow, Virginia Rapp's ghost is here, and Rudolph Valentino's ghost has been seen here on numerous occasions, amongst others as well. But most are seen or heard, like, you know, mostly seen, in the mausoleums. The mausoleums seem to be the place to go if you want to see these ghosts. Now, the cemetery has the basics as well, cold spots, voices, shouting, touching, shoving, bizarre occurrences, but the mausoleums seem to be where it's at. So don't just walk around the cemetery and get butt hurt that no ghost hit you or anything. Sounds like it happens mostly in the mausoleums. Alrighty, let's move to another place, over to another location that 100% should have a haunted cemetery. I said it last uh, episode about the New Orleans Cemetery. This is another one that, yep, 100% should have a haunted cemetery. 
It's in Salem, Massachusetts. It has a second, it's, this one is the second oldest cemetery in the United States, and it's called the Old Burying Point, Burying Point Cemetery. That's hard to say, Burying Point Cemetery. You know, if you're going to bury something, you'd be if you're burying something, the Burying Point Cemetery. It was opened in 1637. Now, the basics have been reported here forever. EVPs, voices, shadows, sounds, cold spots, orbs, blah, 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 you name it. But there is one apparition that's seen here a lot, and that is the reason it is on this episode. She's known as the ghost of Mary Bright Corey, who died on August 28, 1684. She was the second wife of Giles Corey, who was the victim of the witch trials. Now, his story is seriously messed up. I'm not going to get into it too deep because it's kind of like I keep going. I keep going off on tangents. So basically, they tried unsuccessfully to get him to admit to witchcraft by putting more and more weight on his chest. Now, each time they said, all right, time, do you want to sign the confession? Do you want to admit that you're a witch? Each time he would respond with, more weight until ultimately they put so much more weight on him that he was crushed and killed. But back to Mary. Her ghost is often seen around here in gray in, and uh, around her grave, that is, in period clothes. Now, she had died before him, so I don't believe these bullshit stories online that she's seen still wandering the cemetery looking to take revenge on the men that killed her husband. No, that's bullshit. That is the creepypasta nonsense, but she's seen around her grave often, again, in her period clothes, but there's another woman who's seen in picnic attire and sometimes with a boy with her. Now, these two seem to be residual haunts because they never really interact with somebody, and it's just like they're going to a picnic or coming from a picnic or having a picnic, but the cemetery also has its own lady in white, now, when I did some research on the lady in white and where she was seen, what she was wearing, it turns out she's seen by Mary's headstone. So I'm not convinced that the ghost of the lady in white and the ghost of Mary Bright Corey are two different ghosts. I think they're both Mary, but I'm not sure. I haven't seen them personally to say, oh, yeah, that's just Mary. Now she's in a white dress. So I don't know. Grain of salt. All righty, let's really mix it up, though, and let's go to Tokyo for this next one. I always like it when I can find stuff from Japan for a paranormal episode because, again, it's not really talked about there, and these stories really don't get out. This story is called, and look, I'm going to say it ahead of time. I'm sorry. I'm going to butcher probably the name of it. The oh, oh, I had it perfectly right before I hit record earlier. Ayama Cemetery. I think that's actually pretty close. Now, this is Japan's first public cemetery, and it's one of its most famous um, cemeteries because of one resident, one particular resident at the cemetery. His name, Hachiko. He is the only dog to be buried in the cemetery. Sadly, though, he has a really sad story why. I was really hoping it was going to be like, you know, he's Japan's version of, of Lassie. Nope, he's not Lassie. He's not Rin Tin Tin. Sadly, this dog, Hachiko, waited every day for nine years at the, at the local station, like the bus station, subway station, train station. I think it's a train station, actually. Uh, he waited nine years, every day for nine years at the train station for his master, who was Professor Unio. 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 I don't know. It's Professor. To come back. But sadly, that professor never returned. 
It doesn't say, did the professor die and that's why he didn't return? Was the professor a fucking dick and didn't return for his dog? But Hachiko became famous for waiting at the same spot in the train station every day for nine years and then passed away. What a shitty end to an awesome, cool, good boy story. So again, go to the cemetery and make sure you say hi to the good boy. But the cemetery also has a ghost taxi story. Now, that's where a taxi would pick up a person who has to go to the cemetery, and that person vanishes when the taxi pulls up in front of the cemetery and the driver turns around to be like, okay, your fare is whatever. Boom. Taxi is empty. Not that the doors are open and they ran away. Nope. Empty. The cemetery is also supposedly haunted by the ghost of a group of samurai warriors. But again, I don't know how you could prove that. And this all sounds like creepypasta, so creepypasta time. This group of samurai warriors died before they were able to honor their family name. And because of this, they are shamed in the afterlife and cursed to guard the cemetery until their honor can be restored. How anyone would know this is beyond me, but sure, why not? Anyhow, apparently there's a bunch of ghosts. The ghosts look like samurai warriors. And then a cool story, backstory was made up for them. All righty, let's go back to a cemetery. Let's go back to Resurrection Cemetery in Chicago, Illinois. That's right, a cemetery that I talked about on a previous episode. We're going back. This story I saved for the cemetery episode part two because it's such a great story. Now, she's known as Resurrection Mary. She's a ghost that haunts not only the cemetery, but the surrounding highway and the Willowbrook Ballroom. Now, Resurrection Mary is often seen at or around the cemetery. From what I can find, even hardcore skeptics become believers after seeing her. Now, here's the legend of her story. Again, grain of salt, but here's her legend. Apparently, she got into an argument with her boyfriend and decided to hitchhike home. Somewhere in between the ballroom and the main gates of Resurrection Cemetery, about two miles away, she was struck and killed by a car and left to die on the side of the road... And that's became Resurrection Mary. Now they think she is either Mary Bragovi or she might be Anna Maria Norcus. The reason they think it's them, because both of these ladies died in tragic car accidents, one in the 30s and the second one, Anna Norcus, who died in 1927 in an auto accident while on her way home from the O. Henry Ballroom. The reason that more and more people are beginning to think that it's the Anna Norcus version is because Resurrection Mary is often seen at the O. Henry Ballroom. But anyhow, since the 30s, several men driving northeast along Archer Avenue between the Willowbrook Ballroom and Resurrection Cemetery see a young woman. Uh, uh, she's blonde. She has blue eyes. She's hitchhiking. She's wearing a white party dress, but... There's some discrepancy with what she's wearing. Some uh, eyewitnesses say, no, no, no. She's wearing a, a, a thin shawl, white shawl, dancing shoes, carrying a small clutch purse, or she just happens to be wearing a white party dress. But either way, when she's picked up, she's very quiet. She has to be dropped off right in front of the cemetery and then disappears as soon as she gets out of the car. Now, I wanted to give you guys some stories directly from the internet sightings alone. Like, here's directly from some websites about internet sightings of Resurrection Mary. 
The first one, Jerry Palace or Palis. He's a from Chicago, reported in 1939 he met a person who become that he thinks was Resurrection Mary. Now he met her at the Liberty Grove and Hall at 47th and Mozart. So not the O. Henry Willowbook Ballroom ballroom, but a different hall. He said they danced, they kissed. She asked him to drive her home along Archer Avenue. As soon as she got out of the car, she disappeared right in front of Resurrection Cemetery. Hey, man, you know, you had a fun night, partied, you danced, you made out a little bit with a cute girl. Who cares if she's a ghost? All right, then in 1973, Resurrection Mary was said to have shown up at Harlow's nightclub on Cicero Avenue on Chicago's southwest side. Now, that same year, a cab driver came into Chet's Melody Lounge, that's across the street from Resurrection Cemetery, to inquire about a young lady who had left without paying her fare in his cab. Then he found out, kind of like large Marge-ish kind of thing, that she's been a ghost for decades. Then I'm sure he kind of screamed and then fell over like Pee-wee. Now, the, uh, the sightings in, there were sightings of her in 1976, 1978, 1980, 1989. Now, these sightings involved cars striking or nearly hitting a blonde woman in a white dress outside of Resurrection Cemetery. However, when the car hits, which is really messed up, or, uh, you know, comes close to hitting her, as soon as the car stops and the person gets out like, oh, my God, I'm so good, boom, no evidence there was anyone ever there. So that's a messed up version of the story. Like I, you know, like one guy got lucky and got to dance and make out with her. Some people just slam into her with their car, freak out. Nope, she's gone. But is the damage still done to the car? No idea. It doesn't say. Then January 31st, 1979, there was an article in the Suburban Trib. I'm assuming it means Tribune by columnist uh, Bill Geist, who detailed the story of a cab driver named Ralph, who picked up, quote, a young woman, quote, a looker, a blonde. She was young enough to be my daughter, 21 tops. That's getting kind of creepy. Near a small shopping center on Archer Avenue. Now, a couple of miles up Archer there, she jumped with a start like a horse and said, here, here. So I hit the brakes. I looked around. I didn't see no kind of house. Where, I said, then she sticks out her arm and points across the road to my left and says, there. And that's when it happened. I looked to my left like this at this little shack. Then when I turned back around immediately, like, what are you talking about? She's gone, vanished. The car door never opened. May the good Lord strike me dead if it never opened. That's what he said, not me. Um, this guy, Geist, says um, he described Ralph as, quote, not an idiot or a maniac, but rather, in Ralph's own words, a typical 52-year-old working guy, a veteran, father, Little League baseball coach, churchgoer, the whole shot. He says the simplest explanation is that you picked up a uh, you picked up Resurrection Mary. Basically, you picked up a ghost, and there you go. Well, yeah, but why are we glossing over the fact, no, he's a typical guy, he's a good guy, he's a father, Little League coach, apparently a bit of a perv because he said she was, like, hot. Like, come on, man. All right, so there you go. Resurrection Mary is done. All y'all can stop messaging me saying, I can't believe you didn't talk about Resurrection Mary. I was saving her because it's a good story. Um, so, yeah, there you have it. That is part two of Paranormal Almanac's Haunted 
cemeteries, and graveyards. Again, eventually, there will be a part three. Not right away, though. I don't. I like to mix things up and not keep going like, all right, here's part one. Next week's part two. Next week's after that, part three. Then part four. Then part five. I'll mix it up a little bit. But there will be future installments of haunted cemeteries so you guys can get your fill of them. But more importantly, y'all can tell me what cemetery or ghost from a cemetery that you want to hear about in the next installments. I'm giving you guys a few weeks. Do you have a local cemetery with a local urban legend? I'll look into it. Maybe I'll debunk it. Chances are I'll debunk it. But I'll look into it. Or I'll find out, oh my God, there are a lot of ghost sightings of this particular ghost. Do you know of a lady in white at your local cemetery? I've got some creepy cemetery stories. From when I was a kid, like, um, not a kid, but like when I was driving, what my buddy Scott moved into a new subdivision. I think I've talked about it before. Moved into a new subdivision. We were walking around the new subdivision. We only had a few houses on it. And there were a stack of tombstones from like the 1800s. So it really, or headstones, not tombstones, but it really seems like they did the whole poltergeist thing where they just moved the headstones and didn't bother to move the bodies. Or maybe they did because these, these houses all had basements, but still... Where the heck did that cemetery come from, and where did it go? Why were there just a stack of headstones? And we talked about taking them, like, oh, it'd be cool to have them, but thank goodness I didn't do that. That is disrespectful and mean as shit, but still, freaky, still weird, still can't explain it, still don't know why it happened, but there you have it. So there like, there we go. Like I said, that is part two to Haunted Cemeteries. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a live episode this week. We'll see. Maybe I'll you know plug one in, but as of right now, I think I'm going to take this week off from the live episode, I still have last week's live episode to upload. So you guys will hear a great episode coming up soon on the bonus episodes. So don't worry. There's a lot more Paranormal Almanac coming your way. But for this one, we are done. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and this has been another regular edition, part two edition of Paranormal Almanac. Sira, but boom, did me. Sira, but boom, did you know it's the head boomy?